Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. I think it's fundamentally, I just didn't know who I was, where my place in the world was. I was lost. This is the Knockin' Doors Down podcast, featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma, to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knockin' Doors Down is all about. Helen, thank you for joining me on Knockin' Doors Down. We do have a common friend, Dr. Rob Kelly, so we'll get into some of that, maybe how you came to uh, to know him. But uh, let's kind of start with what really was your area of substances, uh, substance or substances that you were abusing. Started off very much with cigarettes from a very early age, moving swiftly into alcohol. Actually, alcohol came into my life first, admittedly. Hmm. Mm. How, how old were you? Probably nine years old when I started raiding cupboards and Goodness. thinking this stuff is good. What was going on at, at home that at nine years old, you, you know, you started dabbing into alcohol? Sadly, I suffered a lot of emotional abuse from my mother, who is sadly no longer with us, but she did her best, but she had her own issues, that's mm. for sure. And I just wish now that she was still around because I really feel I could have helped her lead a happy life because I don't believe she ever found true happiness in anything. So was it a single parent uh, household? It was with other men that came in as father figure but that emotionally for me my emotional needs were not met you say other men was it just kind of a revolving door for your mom maybe looking for like you said that happiness external of herself and a partner or whatever it may be yeah don't get me wrong they were largely long-term relationships mm. it wasn't sort of a new man every week right so it could have been worse and she did have some lovely partners who did become that father figure 
one she married who I was very close to. Sadly, we lost him to cancer. Mm. Again, he struggled with addiction for many years, but an awful lot of the same mental damages that we all have suffered from. And yeah, he he was an inspiration, though. Yeah. He really was. So we're nine years old. We're dabbling into alcohol. Did it become something regular at that point? Or did it kind of more escalate as you entered your teen years and early 20s? It escalated really in my late teens. It became a regular occurrence in my mid-teens. I think my mother quite enjoyed the fact when I was 16 that she could offer me a gin and tonic to have with her at six o'clock in the evening. Mm. Bang on. I don't know. You tell me, us addicts, we always find running mates, don't we? We do. She didn't have a problem with alcohol, but But, she acted out in other ways. What were some of those ways that maybe were displayed? Shopping was her and spending money was her activity of choice yeah. for better words uh, yeah it's tough I, I you know a lot of us uh or or people in general you know I, I know that we shed a lot of light and i'm sure primarily the work that you're doing is with someone you know people with substance abuse but i mean goodness we can be addicted to gambling to love and sex to shopping to there's numerous things that people can definitely become affixed on to try to fill voids Sadly, I was a bit of her addiction as well. She became at times in between partners that she was pretty much codependent on me. And I largely had to be the adult in the relationship. That's um, that's something that I hear a lot. I know what the work you're doing now in recovery, do you hear a lot? Of, I know uh, the term I've heard is um, emotional incest where the child becomes like the parent like you. Do you run across that a lot too? And how do you share your experience that with people that have? I'm very open about it. But there were times when she was particularly low. She definitely suffered depression, but she was emotionally damaged herself for so many years. And having gone through a similar depression myself i can really understand her now she would say oh i'm going up to have a bath can you come up and talk to me i guess she wanted that ear to talk to and it was completely inappropriate really her crying in the bath about her woes and her worries and that's a lot to take on as a child yeah well that started at a very young age and quite frankly that's child abuse yeah it really is and people don't understand that that is you know a job as a parent is to do the 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 nurturing not the other way around yeah it's something i'm very aware of with my children go ahead mommy can feel sad mommy can have problems but everything can be worked through now when um you mentioned that you are a parent how many children do you have I have two children from when I was married. I have one of each, luckily. <laughs> the <Same>. perfect pair. <laughs> Same. Uh, now, being that you mentioned divorce, now did your addiction issues result in this divorce? I was abusing alcohol all the way through my marriage and for a considerable time before. 
How did you the abuse really started in my twenties? What was it that really kind of spiked off uh, in the tw- your twenties? I found for me, of course, you know, when our brain starts coming to maturation, 25, 26 years old, that's kind of when the wheels fell off for me, so to speak. I think it's fundamentally, I just didn't know who I was, where my place in the world was. I was lost. Were you, uh, did you find that you are a a people pleaser? That was one of my biggest defects that I really had had to work on and will continue to. Sadly, I became very controlling and codependent as well. Did you have struggles, you know, like you said, being lost, which I can relate to, but, uh, Holding down a job, staying consistent with that, relationships, friendships coming and going frequently, a lot of the patterns kind of lay out a lot of your addiction when you think you're at the peak, if you could. Yeah, well, the peak definitely came after my illness and divorce. Mm. And I lost my mother a few months after my divorce as well. She succumbed to cancer as Mm. Sadly, so many people do. Well, what illness were you faced with? I suffered a major stroke when I was 36. Oh, goodness. And was it a result of this, the alcohol abuse? No, I had a hole in my heart, which we never knew anything about. And it was just bad luck that there happened to be a blood clot going past the hole in a millisecond that it was open. And bang, it should have been lights out. Was that kind of a point of awakening for you after that, that you wanted to confront some of these issues? Almost, uh, I, I don't know that if you've done uh, 12-step work or what kind of your path is, but we talk a lot about that spiritual awakening. Was that maybe a moment for you that it was like, something is giving me a a bigger chance to continue forward here? I wouldn't say it was a turning point, but I do remember sitting in hospital, realizing that I was alive for a reason and I was going to make the best of life that I could. But then it had to get a lot worse to get better. What was uh, the lot worse for you? Well, really, when my drinking came to a head and my depression just fell through the floor because I suffered postnatal depression Mm. with both my children but this I got signed off work for a year with anxiety and depression but doctors nor me figured out that it was actually the drink that was causing the anxiety and the depression. And of course, as I was off work, I was drinking more. Did you find that after sobriety, it's interesting to bring up anxiety and depression because there's still things I suffer with. And granted, I had, I've had good gaps of sobriety then fell off. Matter of fact, as of this recording would be 16 months ago. I still kind of suffer from it. Do you have any of those still struggles or did sobriety really kind of clear it up, um, anxiety and depression for you? I've done a lot of other work as well, really healing in here and within, from within. I mentioned my 
lack of emotional connection within myself. And what is some of the work that maybe you did to, to kind of, well, we don't necessarily rectify those things, but come to, to a place of understanding of self on that. Yes. And we have everything we need within us to go out into this world and thrive. Yeah, absolutely. And we have anxiety for a reason, naturally for a reason to an extent. But when we're probably not emotionally connected in the right way and our emotional needs not being met, then we're completely unsettled. Well, that certainly was the case for me and working with a number of clients where the healing has to come from within. You've got to really work out where the kinks are from inside to get those ironed out to then have a stronger structure. Yeah. Because we all are quick to think about our physical health and we talk more about our mental health, but what about our emotional health? What are some of those things that you work on? Well, A, to, that you started with for you for emotional health and now being in the recovery field that you work with with clients. Is there any maybe helpful tools or um, primary areas that you've just seen amazing results? Being connected from within and with others, we've got to look for our innate needs as a human and also make the best of how the human brain has developed from the animal world. Sure. We're lucky to have a logical brain to use. Okay, that gets bypassed when we're in fight and flight mode. And it's being able to recognize to actually because we go so into black and white thinking. Here at Knocking Doors Down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. Well, you said something interesting about anxiety as a tool. I've heard people say that, but what do you mean by that? Well, if you go back to the cavemen, obviously they had to be on high alert in case there was a saber-toothed tiger hiding outside the cave, waiting to pounce. So if there's a rustle in the bush, you've got to spring into action. Right. And I know times of my life that I have become anxious. It probably hasn't been a gut reaction to something that isn't right. So let's find out what it is. What are some methods maybe to start to identify that anxiety a little bit better? So, it, you know, I know for me and people that have said that they suffer from anxiety as well, it really brings on that sense of hopelessness. What are maybe some of the tools that you use or have used personally to help identify that anxiety and, and use it as a tool as opposed to a hindrance? 
Well, I think it's important to recognise that there's an alarm going off for a reason. And to take a look, as our dear friend Rob says, trauma is always at the root of it all. So let's get to that trauma. Let's talk about it. Let's not rake over it and make you feel inflicted again. But for me, I had to dampen it down greatly that it isn't a big threat. Yeah, it seems like a real challenge that um, a lot of people that suffer from anxiety is that it isn't a big threat and maybe not digging at, down into the trauma. What For you, obviously, with the emotional trauma, how did you start to unravel that, really? Understanding that my mother was doing her very best, forgiveness, and to realize that, yeah, other people have their own problems. What had she been through? Generational trauma. There's got to be some compassion and some love there. Yeah, generational trauma is, is, I, I think we're finally starting that conversation, don't you think? Absolutely. I think a real shining light in that world is Gabor Mate, who I just think is unbelievable. I'm always there as a cheerleader for anything I see of his. I agree. He's uh, for people that maybe don't know, uh, you know look up Gabor Mate, um, an amazing individual in the work that he's doing now. Obviously, you're saying a cheerleader for his work. What, what have you taken away from things that maybe you've learned through the work that he's doing? Just that trauma can just completely tear your life apart. You can have the best life in the world you can have millions of dollars in the bank and it makes no difference whatsoever we will all come out with the same hurts and the same pain and I think it's really interesting how he has I wouldn't know if discovered is the right word but the links to illnesses such as cancer. And, okay, not everyone who has been through trauma becomes an addict or gets cancer or anything like that. But just having a voice out there that really does say, look, trauma is a major, major factor in all of this. Yeah. And emotions can be traumatizing. Absolutely. Especially when we endure situations where, like, like you mentioned, the fight or flight mode is so constantly activated. It's hard to take our brain out of scenarios and realize that we're in a safe setting or we have a sense of community or trust can be built with someone that, and, and most of all, we can trust ourselves. That's a really difficult one. Yeah. And you've got to come to a peaceful place within yourself. Something I struggled with for years, having hated everything about myself, low self-esteem and, not necessarily lacking in confidence, but just had nothing within me. Have you found any addict that says anything to the contrary? No, 
and having worked as a recent client and yeah it was a bit of a difficult conversation when we started talking about self-esteem because they've achieved a lot fantastic business very gregarious high achiever but underneath it all there is a very hurt damaged person and as soon as we started building from that started to turn some massive corners and this inner strength started pouring out and what are those things that you you employed to have them start to build self-esteem because it's a really tough tough thing to work on it is but really looking at what he had achieved in life and giving him the recognition and again going back to perhaps when there were times in his earlier life where he had been quite hurt and damaged by those that should have been the ones that had built him up and again it's going back to emotional needs and with my own children now it's just I'm hot on it that because I think if their emotional needs are met then hopefully they won't get all what I had to go through and hopefully not have 40 odd years of living in hell Mm. quite frankly and their behavior even just recently we've turned a corner especially times that used to be very very difficult we just don't have that kind of negative energy because as just human beings yeah they're getting recognized and listened to and loved no matter what and I know as parents we do try to do that and indeed my mother tried to do her best but occasionally she dropped the ball she tried to make up for it in other ways and I don't think those were necessarily the right ways or they weren't for me yeah okay going through a period with a pre-teen though is a whole new ball game (laughs) absolutely why do you say so Helen well she's no longer a little girl yeah I'm being faced with that myself oh we'll have to swap notes (laughs) uh absolutely I could definitely use some advice as a single father for sure um but what and I think it's so on one hand I I love watching my kids grow and I wouldn't say I feel something within myself, but there is a bit of vicariousness that you you get out of it. But boy, the things that our youth are being faced with is uh, unfathomable. I don't know that I would have had those tools at their ages to to see how well they manage or at least hopefully manage. No, I certainly wouldn't. I thought school was tough, but now I just couldn't bear to think about it yeah so i've just got to give them security and the support and know that they are doing their best and their time will come where they can yeah do what they want and have what they want and but these are the important 
years to put those built strong building blocks in place without any cracks so that they can just flourish. That is the challenge, right? Because we kind of go from a phase in parenthood where, you know, there's there's so much nurturing and direct caretaking to now all of a sudden trying to help them build independence. And that is just a challenge in itself, especially when you get, when you get a lot of resistance from said child. Yeah. Now, my kids had to grow up quite quickly because of my illness and now having to have mum who is disabled that's a lot to cope with themselves Mm -hmm. but also I think it's really been good for them to have a mother who is disabled because when they meet other people with disabilities further on in life they'll be able to relate to them so much better and realize what can be done not what can't be done yeah, it uh, definitely creates a space for empathy. Yes. And again, I'm very open about recovering from addiction, and they're very aware of alcohol, cigarettes, drugs. So let's talk about when you finally went and started to get help. What was your treatment process for you? Did you go into rehabilitation? Were you a, a 12-step group person and and what finally took to give you longevity and sobriety i suddenly realized i had to and it really was a bolt out of the blue that i needed to do something about my drinking because my depression was so bad i was suicidal every single day and it just didn't seem right and someone that i knew actually went they were helping me put out the recycling boxes and the weight of my bottle recycling. She kind of suggested that I may have be a bit dependent on alcohol. Well, that was the understatement of the century. But that seed was planted and it wasn't working for me anymore. We hear stories of people switching their drinks to lessen it but I would I was having to up the ante so much that yeah it just stopped working and it was not enjoyable that buzz went years before yeah I know what you're talking about it got to the that point of 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 ridiculousness where uh you know a beer or something you fill it and and uh you know, I'm I'm with guys that outweigh me by 200 pounds or something like that, and uh, you know they're 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 getting nauseous or sick, and I'm and I'm like, man, I don't feel a thing. Yeah, where's the next one? Yeah, right. Scary. Or place where's to the be. whiskey to wa- wash it down with? Yeah, exactly. And perhaps a little bit of my maternal instinct kicked in, remembering that what I'd gone through with with my stroke to survive, to be a mother to them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was about ready to take myself out. Yeah. And I'd be sat there with 
my bottles around me in the evening with them asleep upstairs planning on how I was going to do it. Well, I'm glad you didn't, Helen. And I'm glad you're here to to spread the message. So am I. And then I knew a friend of mine was in a 12-step group around us. And I phoned her up and I said, I think I've got the same problem as you. And she said, do this test online and phone me back. I was so excited that I got 100%. (laughs) It was like, I passed. (laughs) But it was a complete light bulb moment. I thought, oh, it was so nice to have that answer that, yes, I did have a problem. No one could have told me. And that's how I started. And then... It was about two and a half, two years into my sobriety through the 12 step work that I just felt I wanted to go deeper. And that is when I crossed paths with our mutual friend. Because for me, I just felt something was a lot deeper and he was the man to uncover it for me. Yeah, speaking about Dr. Rob Kelly, who's just a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah, Dr. Rob, if you are listening, you are just the best. Well, for now. (laughs) And then from then, I've just picked up any book that's relevant to further my knowledge. And I know that a lot of people think knowledge won't keep you sober. Well, it has helped keep this lady sober. And it has strengthened myself to then help others more. And I agree with you. It's all about education. Yes. And I'm, I've just started to put myself through a further training I don't know if it's really sort of come through to you over there on the other side of the pond. I'm not sure. The human givens. Mm -mm. Again, it's very based around the emotional needs. I will send you a link of a book on anxiety that I'm partway through. And it is fascinating. Okay. But depression, anxiety, addiction, they're very intertwined. As you will learn, and no, I'm not here to do a big promo for them, but as I said, I am starting to go through their diploma to become one of their therapists. So watch this space. I'll come knocking on your door and then I will be. So at what point then in your your sobriety, how far along for you when you decided to um, to become a recovery coach yourself? That was about two and a half years in. And Dr. Rob, who we had have really built up a very good rapport, he told me about his training that he was rolling out. And we kind of thought together, let's get this done. He knew I had a passion for helping others. And being a single mother, I felt it was definitely my area to move into again going against a lot of others that think yeah it should always be free but when you are 
paying fees and running a business. You can't. Yeah. I know a lot of people have that expectation, but you know, as even Dr. Rob told me, well, and you're good at what you do. There's nothing wrong for making a living from it. Absolutely. And yeah, the free options will always be there. But for some people that doesn't work either. I've got a client at the moment and it wasn't for them and that's okay. And that's why we do have to have other options out there. If people want to know more about you, Helen, what you're doing, um, how do they find you? I'm on Facebook under Helen Bratton or Disaddicted is my business name. And website is disaddicted.coach. Awesome. Not a .com, not a .co.uk .coach. I love it. That's great. Well, Helen, uh, before I leave you with the, the final words, um, how about some fun random questions so we can know a little bit more about you? Why not? All right. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? To fly. Why flying? Because I think it would just be amazing just be able to jump out of a window and go to where you want to go i agree i'm i'm kind of over airports yeah and just be able to sprout my own wings and just go and not have to rely on fuel so let's say you write a book about your life and they decide to turn it into a movie or a tv show who would you love to see play you well, it certainly wouldn't be Angelina Jolie because I don't have the cheekbones. <laughs> uh, it could be anyone. It could be anyone in history of, of acting. Maybe there's somebody you just love. Sophia Loren. Oh, I, I, I'm with you on that. That would be great. Yeah, she is a proper woman. Yeah, I always found her to be so classy as myself. Classy with curves. <laughs> I love it. Um, if you had a recommendation for anyone uh, for, you know, let's pick like two or three books. What would you throw out there for people? Just stuff that you've gotten value out of. Daddy, Please Stop Drinking by Dr. Rob Kelly. I'm going to recommend my book that's beside me. And that is Human Givens, A New Approach to Emotional Health and Clear Thinking. It's a life-changing book that will stop us squandering our natural inheritance by Joe Griffin and Ivan Terrell. Sounds fascinating. All right. It is fascinating. Okay. If you were on a deserted island, but for whatever reason, you could watch a movie and listen to music, but you could only take one movie and one music album or musician with you what would those be i would have to take the greatest collection of either beethoven or queen oh two of my favorites awesome my kids are really into beethoven right now oh we just always have classical music on it's so good for the brain uh, uh so you have a love for queen one of my all-time favorites how uh, you know when when did you kind of fall in love with the music of queen it was one of my mother's favorites so it was something that was on regularly in our house yeah mom seemed to have that power don't they they do 
Okay, so we got music, but what movie would you have with you if you were on a deserted island? Okay, it's going to sound a bit daft, but this was a conversation the kids and I were having earlier. And I'd probably take The Sound of Music. Oh, how can you Because it's so uplifting. You can have a good sing too, or maybe even Mary Poppins for similar reasons. Sure. And my son was watching that earlier, the original. Oh, yeah. You got to go with the original. You got to go with the original. But no, Julie Andrews was a staple in my household as a child. My mom had sound of music on so much that eventually I got tired of it. But now when I hear it, it makes me smile. Yeah, just gorgeous. And those hills, I'm a real sucker for the Alps anyway. Oh, uh, that, that was going to be a next question. Uh, what, what are some of the uh, things that you do for self-enrichment? Sounds like outdoor activities is one of them. Well, obviously, I'm very limited now. Mm-hmm. But I used to ski a lot. And it wasn't about tackling the steepest run or the biggest moguls. It was just taking in the scenery and the beauty of the world, really. Now, for my self-enrichment, it's all largely more to do with the kids and be it taking them for out and about. Obviously, me more on my mobility scooter, more spending time with my cats as well. They really add something to my life. And reading and learning, my time out largely does, mummy's taken herself time out, but mummy's actually probably gone to write an article or something. So work actually offers so much to me. I love catching up with my clients and spending time with them to see them grow and change. And then getting feedback from people that have seen them and you get to hear how much they see a change. That's beautiful. Yeah, seeing other people get something different out of them. And a very dear client of mine, when we started working together, she had to give up two of her children. Mm. It was necessary for her to get well. They stayed within the family and we said two years and they'll be back. And you know what? Next month, they're coming back home to mama. I love it. That's so awesome. Which just gives me such joy for all of them. Absolutely. There's a lot of healing still going on. But yeah, that is just seeing those miracles happen. Helen, if uh, I, I, I like to leave the guests with the last words, if there's any words of encouragement that you can give to anyone that might be struggling with substance abuse or anything, what might that be? Just feel that you have been born with everything within you. Obviously, you've got your physical needs, your mental needs, but Please don't forget about your emotional needs. They've all got to be nurtured. And you have 
of strength within you that you probably have never even felt and you will get through it. You will be loved. You will be supported and live your next life because it will be better, be better than the last. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.